Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. But the hour is coming and now, somebody say now. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Okay, but the hour is coming and now, say now. It doesn't say later. It says now. Do you guys know when now is? No, it's not now. It's right now. There's a difference between now and right now. What really, what really just spawned me this is I was with my, my daughter this week, and we went on a, a father-daughter date, which we do sometimes. Sometimes we dress up, but we were really excited about seeing Beauty and the Beast. Amen. You know, my, my daughter loves Beauty and the Beast. Praise God. And some of you guys are looking at me weird. You guys see Beauty and the Beast? Can I say something so people are listening to me on, on live, live online? Because everybody has this big problem with they have a character on there that has been going out and Christians are like, don't go see the movie. Don't, don't give your money to Disney. Because now they're promoting all kinds of uh, uh, homosexual stuff and this and that. Don't support them. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm the light of the world. Okay, just, just listen to me real, real quickly. I'm the light of the world. Why am I just going to go around a bunch of other lights? And why am I going to teach my children to be around a bunch of lights? I'm teaching my child. It says train up a child in the way that they should go. So when they grow old, they won't depart from it. I'm training my daughter how to stand in what she believes in, in the word of God, and not let other people put their opinions on her. And what she firmly believes in, she can stand and believe in it. I'm not trying to hide my kids from anything. And I will tell you, we went to go see the movie, and we loved it. It was great. If you guys don't go see it, you're robbing yourself, especially if you're dads and you got daughters. You better take them to see this movie. It's a great movie. Now, don't, don't go say, my pastor said I had to go see the movie. I'm just saying. But anyway, I went to go see the movie with my daughter, and we dressed up, and we were all nice, and I was holding her hand, and we were having a good time. We went and sat down, and as we were sitting down in the movie, the, the movie's getting ready to play, I just turned and looked at her. And in that moment, I just had to say, thank you, God, because there's going to come a time she's not going to want to hold my hand. There's going to come a time she's going to be grown. Dad, drop me off around the corner from school. Right? But that's later. But right now, I'm with my baby. Right now, I'm with my daughter. Right now, she wants to hold my hand. Right now. So I began to think that God says, now is the time. He says, I'm looking for people to worship me now. And I begin to thank God. And I remember just tears begin to come to my eyes. And, and I'm like, oh, I'm just emotional. This is a movie. And I begin to say, no, what it is is when the presence of God comes in. Because God says, I'm looking. I'm seeking for such a one. Do you realize if you can't find God, all you got to do is begin to worship him and he'll find you. We, everybody's like, man, I'm just looking for God. No, don't, you don't have to look for God. Worship him and he'll find you. You could be anywhere. You could be any situation. You could put yourself, you could make the biggest mistake of your life and be in the middle of it. Just start worshiping God. He'll find you. Because the Bible says he's seeking for such a one. 
and, and I just began to realize in the now, I got to worship him now. I can't worry about what's going to happen three seconds from now. There, there's enough trouble in tomorrow that, that, that tomorrow will take care of itself. And yesterday I can't get back. But right now, I can redeem the time right now. I can open up my mouth, begin to praise God. I can set my mind upon God to, so that he'll establish my thoughts now. It's now that God wants us to see. Stop thinking and worrying. Doesn't mean that you don't plan for your future. I'm talking about worrying. I'm like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to give God praise today. Well, you're not healed yet. I, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to praise him because I'm still alive. I can speak right now, so I'll praise him. I, 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 may, I may not be healed. I, I, may, I may not even wake up tomorrow, but you know what? Today, I can praise him. Today, I'm going to keep my mind stayed upon Jesus so that he'll keep me in perfect peace. Now. If we really get the revelation of that scripture, we'll understand that, dude, when I feel alone, when I feel by myself, when I feel anxious, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling overcome, all I have to do is just stop and worship Jesus. <laughs> I think the saints used to say, when I think about Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul. happens because God's presence will begin to come over you. And when the presence of God comes over you, we were singing it. Your presence, your presence, Lord, is more precious than gold and silver. Your presence, Lord, that's what I desire. That's where we need to be. But we'll never find it unless we do it now. Amen? That wasn't the preaching word today. I got something else for you. But I just want to encourage you guys. That you have to remember, it's now. You, you can't wait. It, it's difficult. If I keep living for, for what's to come, then I'll never appreciate what I have in my hand now. I may not have money in my hand. I may not have a house. I may not have friends. I may not have this. I may not have that. But I do have breath in my lungs. I have life in my body. And I have a voice in my mouth that I will use to praise God. Hallelujah. Turn to 2 Timothy 3.16. I promise I will not be before you very long. Just remember when a pastor promises that, don't go to the bank with it. Praise him. Praise God. There's no sports on, so you guys will just bear with me. Yes, hallelujah. I'll, I'll begin to speak very slowly. 2 Timothy Chapter 3, verse 16. I'll be reading for your hearing on today. 2 Timothy. Got it? All scripture. Oh, some scripture. All scripture? Not just a few scriptures? Two scriptures. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So all the scripture that we read has been given by the inspiration of God. So we know if it's been given by God, it's not no mistake that some man, well, a man wrote it. So there's got to be some mistakes because man isn't perfect. No. Man was the tool. The same way that you put a pencil in your hand is the same way that God used a man to write down what he wanted to get written down. So all scripture, not some scripture, 
It's been given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, I'm going to do a little teaching before I do a little preaching. So you bear with me. You got pencils? Bring them out. We read this scripture and we see in this scripture uh, uh, that we see that all scripture has been given to us. And it's been given to us by the inspiration of God. It's been written down by the apostles and the prophets for us. And it is profitable for us for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction. And that's great. All in righteousness. And I thank God for that. But let's be honest. How many of us know what doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction really is? Exactly. I didn't see one person jump up and go, well, the, the word uh, doctrine is diakadesis and in, in the uh, Greek. And in the, no. We kind of think we know what doctrine is, but well, let's see what it means exactly in the Bible, what it stands for. The word doctrine means this. It's the teaching of precepts or the proper way to view and live out Scripture. We have a problem in church today that so many people talk about, you have the wrong doctrine. You're, you're, you're practicing the doctrine of devils. Yes, people do that, but I'm talking about saved, sanctified churches. And we're all in fights because we think we have wrong doctrine. Well, the doctrine we're talking about, we're thinking that doctrine is just the way that we practice, that we worship God. Just because a church sits somebody, all women on the left and all men on the right or vice versa, doesn't mean that they're practicing doctrine of devils. It's just a tradition in how that they do their church. But yet we get so caught up in all these ideologies and saying their doctrine is wrong. I had, I had pastors actually tell me and people that, brother, you, you know, the way you dress in church, you, you got to respect God now. Like, I think I respect God. I got clothes on. Another pastor tell me about men wearing hats. He says, man, that, that you should not allow men to wear hats in church. It is disrespectful unto the Lord. I said, well, I mean, I, I know you feel that way. And when I go into my mama's house, you got to take your hat off in my mom's house. But we have no such tradition here. Did you hear the word? It's not doctrine. It's tradition. We have to know the difference. So all scripture Basically, I don't care how you're dressing or what you got on. When you're coming worshiping God, the doctrine is that you worship him in spirit and in truth. So all scripture is good for doctrine, and it's also good for reproof. Reproof. What does reproof mean? It means to give proof to the truth of the matter to bring about conviction. Now, let me tell you guys something real quick. We cannot try to use scare tactics to get people saved. See, that's, that's not bringing on conviction. That's bringing on fear. And God did not give you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. But if I'm trying to make you fearful to follow God, then I'm doing some type of witchcraft. The scripture is supposed to convict you to make you want to come to God. That's how powerful the word of God is. We don't have to add anything to it because the Bible says in Revelation, whoever takes away from our ads to it will be damned. If you just give scripture to people and, and giving it to them in a way that they can understand it, it's the goodness of God that leads all men to repentance. That's what the scripture says. So the reproof comes from me just giving you the scripture and what God says, not my opinion. Not looking at somebody going, you know you're going to die and go to hell. You're going to hell. 
even though that's the truth, <laughs> we allow the love of God to lead people to his feet. And we can give them scripture. So all scripture is good for that. Now we have correction. Can you listen closely? Correction. How many people love correction? Exactly. Yes, we got maybe two people. In my household, in the butcher household, when we were young, correction didn't come so nicely. It came in the form of leather, about 38 inches long. But the purpose of the correction was to restore to an upright or right state. When we correct people, when we're correcting them, it should be to restore them, not tear them down. I use scripture to restore you, not to tear you down. Listen here, brother. You, 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 you know, God said that people like you are, are filthy. You're an animal. You're a dog. You need to change your ways right now in the name of Jesus. No. See, this is the, the, this is the part that really gets me. Saints, we've all been called to prophesy. We're not all prophets, but we've been called to prophesy. That means speak the word of God. When God speaks, the Bible says that God's word is life. It's life. It's spirit and life, actually. It says the, the word of God says God's word is spirit and it's life. So when you begin to speak, you should be speaking what God speaks. God, God has seen many men in, in their lifetime, in their wretches, but he would call them by different names because he knew what they were going to be. So when we see things, we don't call things as, as though they are. We, are. we call things that are, are not as though they were. You know what that means? Okay, you see somebody that ain't saved, like your son or your wife or your, or your husband or your friend. You don't keep going, man. You're just unsaved. You're filthy. You look at him and go, you know what? You are a man of God. You've been called of God. Do you know that God says in his word that in his final days, he's going to pour out his spirit upon you and you shall prophesy? You will dream dreams. So you're speaking life. And then when you speak life, yeah, that's, that's, that's that correction. It, it comes to restore to an upright place. Listen brother, you know, listen, brother, you're in fornication. You know you're going to hell. You're a man of God, and you are pure. You're a woman of God, and you are living justly and uprightly, standing before God, and, and, and you're pure, and you're clean. And you're able to go before God with clean hands and a pure heart. You're speaking those things. That's the word of God, and it leads to bring people to an upright standing with the Lord. It says correction or improvement of life and character. Now, here's instruction. Now, I love instruction. But instructions is the whole training and education of, ch of children, which relates to the cultivation of mind and morals and employs purpose. I said it like that because it was very long and it, I didn't understand it myself. It also includes the training and the care of the body. Instructions take care of the body. It takes care of the body, not just this body, but the body. God's given us instructions to edify the body. Now, this is the problem with instructions. Let me replace Ikea. Go buy something from Ikea, and you look at it, and you grab it, open up the box, you pull out the, the book, and you start putting stuff together. Turn the page, there's a picture, put it together. Next page, a couple pictures, put that together. By the time you're done, you got it all together, and it looks good, table's nice, Everything's good, but I got a box full of spare parts. But the table's still put together, looks good, working good. How's it look, honey? Looks good. Great. 
But what we find out is we don't find out what these parts were actually used for until there's pressure placed on this object or, or something we need to work isn't going to work. We didn't realize that we left some parts out. You know, the funny part about it is, is most of us only put things together because there's pictures. I'm reading a picture. Can you read a picture? Can you read a picture? I don't know. I mean, maybe you can read pictures. You know the sad part about that is? You know why most Christians don't read their Bibles? Because there's no pictures. And we're trying to put our lives together, and we got so many spare parts left out. We look good, we function good until some pressure hits us. Come on, somebody. You know, you know what has happened to you. You were like, man, I done read my Bible. I prayed this week. Everything is good. And then all of a sudden, some, some trial, tribulation comes and hits you, and you ain't able to stand in it. Blows you on. Next thing you know, you acting unchristian like you, you, people wouldn't even know you were saved. Wasn't you saved about two weeks ago? What, what, I mean, what happened? I, I, there was no pictures. Parts. So, if I may, and I may, I'm going to take one of the most popular scriptures Christians use when something hard or unexpected bad or bad happens to them during their lives. When we take God's word so far out of context, it changes the meaning and the intent of the message. We can't do that, especially when it doesn't have anything to do with that issue or doesn't have anything to do to solidify the principles of God. But we'll just throw a scripture down at any time. So let's turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We've all heard it. And we know that some things... So we know that all things work together for the good. Let's stop right there. Because that's generally all most of us know about that scripture. Brother, all things work together for the good. Praise them. Hallelujah. I could preach on this all day. And I got all day. Okay. All things work together for the good. But this is why we forget this part. It works out for the good to them that love God. Some people love God. Everybody loves God. Even heathens say they love God. I love God. I love him. Beep, 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 beep. I love God. Come here, girl. Where's your friend? I love him. That ain't the kind of love that God demands. Watch this. God says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's the demand. It's so funny, and don't raise your hand if this has ever been said to you, but I got to love you the way that I love you. See, I'm going to love you to how I am because this is me. This is how I'm going to love you. No. When you love somebody, you love them according to their standards of love. So when God demands that you love him, he says, if you love me, I'm going to know you love me because you're going to do what I tell you. And if you're not doing what I tell you, then you don't love me. I don't care what you say. 
It's not about what you say. It's about what you do. So then it works out together for the good to them that love God. So first of all, we, we say this to a lot of people that don't even have a relationship with God. But we tell them it's going to work out for their good. And then we talk about to them who are called according to his purpose, not your purpose. If you've been called according to God's purpose, then you love God because you're doing his purpose and not your own purpose. And when you're doing that, then all things will work out for your good. Now, this scripture, if you're looking into it as context, is not dealing with uh, 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 all these hurts or problems. And I'm going to just tell you, and, I, and, I, and you're going to have to agree with me on this, and maybe you won't, or maybe you will. But it's the last thing I want to hear or anybody else wants to hear when somebody loses a loved one, a husband, a parent, a son, or a child. Don't come up to me talking about, well, brother, praise God, all things work together for the good. You show me some good in that. Ain't nothing good about that. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong at all. I really believe that God can take a mess and turn it into a mess. I believe he can turn around and, and, and take your trials and your tests and turn it into a testimony. Yes, I believe that can happen. But you know what? I just can't see any good in certain things. There's just no good in it at this time. Don't come and be spiritual and tell me these things. You can look at me and say, I'm sorry. It's okay to look at somebody and go, man, I don't know what you're going through, man, but I'm, I'm going to pray with you, man. You want to be hyper-spiritual. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. You know all things work together. God is going to bless you through this somehow. Amen. Praise. No. So today, I want to clear up and clean up the power in this scripture because there's power in God's word. And when I clear it up, we're going to be able to live the way God has intended us to live, and that is with purpose and authority. Purpose and authority. Let me take a side note here. Anybody in here cooks? Anybody in here bakers? Anybody know how to bake stuff? Okay. Okay. I'm, just, I'm taking notes. I'm just taking notes. I got that. Yes. Okay. All right. Baking. Okay. All right. All right. Just wanted to ask. Now I'll get into my back into my preaching. So, in the process of baking, there's many different ingredients that come together. We have to get a bunch of different ingredients to put this stuff together to make something good. Right? If I leave out an ingredient, it can mess up the whole thing. Right? Well, even after I collect and I measure and I prepare and I mixed all these ingredients together, you know, even after I do all that, it's still not done yet. It ain't good yet. I can think about what it's going to be, but at this point right now, it isn't good yet. See, it takes a plethora of things to come together in order to create something good. Now, let me stop preparing these ingredients. Let me just stop real quick. You guys have to understand, certain ingredients before you add them have to be prepared before you add them into the whole with the rest of the ingredients. 
For instance, you just don't, if an ingredient calls for eggs, you just don't throw eggs in there. Hopefully. Cookies aren't designed to have crunch in them. Shell crunch, right? If, if, if a, a cake, a moist cake, lemon pound cake, calls for lemon zest, you don't throw the whole lemon into the cake. You gotta take the, the, the lemon and you get the little microplane and you rub it on there and the lemon zest comes off and it falls off and you get it and then you, you sprinkle it into the, the mix. Some ingredients require, require that you sift the flour before adding in. Some other ingredients require you to melt the shortening and the butter into the, into the, into the mix before you put it in. And, and, and let me tell you something, guys. I don't know about you. I love cookies. Flour is an ingredient in cookies. Eating flour by itself isn't good. Now, you guys can be like Antoine and drink eggs, and he does that like all day. It, I don't know how he does it, but he didn't tell me it was good. He'll do it, though. Mouthful of sugar. Hopefully, y'all ain't doing that. Who eats sticks of butter? Yeah, don't, because some people do. I've seen people take hunks of butter and be like, like cheese. They didn't live past 30. <laughs> Funny people are like, God, why? The butter. Either way it goes, there has to be some type of preparation of ingredients. Why does it have to be preparation of ingredients? Why do we have to put all the ingredients together and mix it together? Because if we want to experience the good from all these ingredients coming together, we got to make sure that they're prepared right and they're mixed together right and nothing is left out. Now, there's still some other ingredients that we have to take before we can experience the good when all things come together for the good. We call it a recipe, right? There's some other thing. Just because you got it all mixed together and put together doesn't mean it's done yet. You got to put that cake in the oven. I put that cake in the oven. About 10 minutes later, whoo, smells good. How many people, let me ask you guys, how many people have ever tried to fry chicken when they're really hungry? bad thing to do. You know why? Because you're so hungry, you turn the grease up a little bit higher, right? Watch this though. And you drop it in there and it starts frying and it gets really golden brown on the outside. It smells good though. You like make, you're making a, man, this, you, I, this is the best fried chicken I've ever made. It's going to be good. I know it's going to be good. Honey, this is some good fried chicken. I ain't ate it yet. But you smell that? Smell it? You're just hungry. Let me tell you something. Your thirst and your hunger will steal you wrong, steer you wrong. When you're empty, pretty much anything smells good. You're like, is that cookies? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. You guys are laughing, but it's that bad. Man, I want a, I want a husband. Hey, girl. Ooh, he's a man of God. 
Basically, what you thought in your mind smelled so good was nothing but a fart. He was a fart of a dude. Can you say that in church? Can you say that in church? No? Jackie said no. That was that. Okay. Flatulence. (laughs) We'll settle for less because we're so thirsty and hungry for a relationship, we'll end up with the wrong thing because you're hungry. So you're cooking the chicken, you're hungry, you turn up the heat because you want it now. Hurry up. Chicken. Pull the chicken out. It looks done. Smells good. Looks good on the plate. Then you take a bite into it. Isn't it funny that you'll begin to eat raw chicken, know it's raw deep down in your mind, but you're so hungry, you'll be like, I think it's going to be okay. I said blessings. The, the word of God says that if I drink any poison, it shall not harm me. The Bible also says, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. <laughs> so we sit down and we'll eat it. It wasn't even done. Then we'll tell ourselves it's okay, and we'll go ahead and consume that. Say to God, that's what we do as Christians. Because we're so hungry, we're so thirsty, that we'll, we'll get something we know that's not done. We'll take something for ourselves. We know we shouldn't take it. We say it smells good. That's just because we're so hungry. And that's not what it is. And then guess what? We'll start into a relationship with something that we know is bad for us. And even though we know it's bad for us, we will convince ourselves that it's still good. That ain't good. I don't even know where I was at. Was it good, though? Okay. <laughs> Did that come together for the good? <laughs> Not done. Okay, so I'll get back to the cake. <laughs> Sorry. You guys. You guys like pound cake? Pound cake. Cooking. Ten minutes. Smells good. Can't wait. But you know what happens to a cake when you pull it out too early? Oh, there's a message in there somewhere. See, that's what happens to us. We mix all the ingredients. We have the ingredients to be something good. We put it all together. We got it. The package is done. And then we go into the fire. And see, that fire is a place that cooks all those ingredients together so that ingredients comes together so for it will, it will be something good. But guess what? Sometimes what happens to us is when we get all the ingredients together, we're doing everything right. We're in church. We're serving. We're loving. We're giving. We're doing everything. And then the trials come, and we're in the fire. And then all of a sudden, man, uh-uh, I'm getting out of this fire. And we step out, and we become like that cake, and eventually... We fall. And let me tell you something, you guys. I hate cakes that are not done. You get a pound cake, it looks good on the outside, just a little sunk on the top. Oh, it might be okay, because I like moist cake. But then you cut it, and you cut the piece out, and when you pull that piece out, the little center oozes out. Pancakes. Who likes pancakes? Ain't nothing worse than a half-done pancake. You ever eat a half-done pancake? See, I can, I can deal with, with cake batter. I can eat cake batter. It's sweet. It's good. But you ever eat pancake batter? It's not good until it's cooked. Then you get it half done. You know God knows that he don't like stuff half done? That's why he says, well done, that good and faithful servant. Y'all didn't know that. How does God like his steak? Well done. He don't like half-done things. He don't like things that all the ingredients ain't in it. 
And he likes things cooked all the way. We can't eat things or deal with things that are half done. Now, the problem is when we have all the ingredients together and it's in the oven and it's letting off that aroma and it smells so good and, and, and we can't wait for the results, we just got to jump in there, we end up not getting the outcome we expected. You know, following Christ and doing all this stuff, we expect something out of it. I don't know about you. I expect something from the fruits of my labor. I expect something from all my prayer. I expect something from all my study. And I expect something from all my giving. I'm sorry, I do. That's, I just expect it. But if I pull out too early, if, I, I, if, I, if I'm like, I'm, oh, I don't pray here. I don't keep doing what I'm supposed to do. If I don't add in all the ingredients, I'm not going to get what I expected. How many people want to lose weight? You keep cutting out on the gym. You're not going to get what you expected. If you go to the gym every day, which is good, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But if you ain't eating right, you ain't going to get what you expected. Look, I've been working out for a week. Oh, have you? Put you in that odd situation. You know people like, man, yeah, I've been working out for the last month, man. I've been getting it in. You're like, all right. But you know the people, this, this is what I love, saints. This is what I love. When you get people that walk up, they don't even tell you they've been working out, eating right, but you can just tell by looking at them. Man, you look good. What you, you been working out or something? Yeah, matter of fact, I have. Been eating right, too. <laughs> been getting my sleep. I'm putting all the ingredients together to get that good. Come on, y'all. But that's what happens as Christians. You know, you, we sit down and we come to church. And we go home. But we don't pray. We don't read our word. We don't give. And you think you're good? That's not what God says. Woo. So back to the aroma. So funny how we can come to church. We look good. We give off that smell. That Christian smell, because I know some people that can talk it, man. They can they, they talk Christianese very well. You say, man, they look, when they talk to you, they're like, how are you doing on today? Praise God. That's how you know people speak Christianese. It's always on today. It's, it's not just, how are you doing today? Like, on today, we're going to, on tonight. Praise God. You know, you're always sister or brother. They, they just can't, they don't call you by your first name. They got all that Christianese. Every time you say something, they got a scripture for you, right? They give off that smell. And, and, and you have to understand that smell was never meant to lead you to believe something. Smell was just to remind you of something. See, when the cake is cooking or the chicken is frying and that smell hits me, it's just trying to keep me to let me know that there's going to be some good coming later. But if I'm led by the smell, if I'm led by the aroma, then I'm going to end up getting something that I really don't want, something undone. <laughs> Saints of God, once again, the purpose of the aroma is to remind you that there is something good cooking. Just because you, you, you're a Christian and your praise goes up and becomes a sweet-smelling Savior unto the Lord's nostrils doesn't mean that we've arrived yet. I praise God five times a day, brother. 
You ain't arrived yet. No, you haven't got there. When my wife puts on some cologne, mm-hmm, yes. Yes, I love that cologne. She likes that too. Don't go there. Praise God. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Let me get the spirit face real quick. The aroma. The aroma. Okay, okay, I got to stop. I won't go there. All I have to say is that aroma is just a preview to the good that's about to come. Come on, somebody. you guys are asking yourselves, Pastor, why are, you, why are you taking all this time talking about baking cakes? And it's like, I ain't ate breakfast yet. <laughs> you talking about cakes and pancakes and cookies and oh my gosh, I got, I got something on the crock pot at home and I can't wait to get there. You talking about food and you said you wasn't going to be long. You lied on the pulpit and come on, Pastor, wrap it up, wrap it up. I see y'all be like, Stomach is speaking in tongues right now. <laughs> My point is this, and I'm glad you asked. It takes a number of ingredients to come together. Somebody say, come together. It has to come together in order for it to be good. If the recipe is incomplete, you're not going to get something good. And there's a recipe for being a Christian. Just so some of you that take notes, I'm going to give you a hint. If you look to your right real quick, you're going to get it, and then I'm going to get out of here. Okay. The first ingredient is faith. Faith. As a Christian, i got to have faith. Why do I have to have faith? Because it's the most important ingredient to being a Christian. I have to have faith, first of all, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And if I accept him into my heart, that I'll be saved by grace through faith. So we have to go through faith in order to get saved. So we have to have it. And then with that faith, we also got to be able to, to know that with faith, I, if I got faith enough to believe that Jesus Christ is in my heart, then I should have faith enough to pray for something according to God's word, and it shall be done for me. Do you know the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, when it talks about prayer, it says, but let him ask in faith, not wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Uh, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. What is he saying? You got to believe when you're praying. You got to have faith. So that's the first ingredient. Second ingredient is hope. Hope. Romans 5, 3, 6. It says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Also, knowing that tribulations worketh our patience, and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the Lord God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. What does that mean? You know what? You got to have faith. And when you have faith, it will allow you to have hope. Why? Because when you're in those terrible situations, as you just read, it says, we glory in our tribulations. Why do I glory? Because I have faith that God is going to get me through it. If God made me get through one situation, I had faith for him to get me out of this one situation. When the next situation comes, not only am I entering in with faith, I now have hope because I have experience. So when I have experience with something, I have hope because I know the hope comes by my faith that I had the last time. And if he got me out of it the last time, my hope is he'll get me out of it this time. 
So I got hope. Praise God. The next ingredient is love. Now, we know God is love, and God has filled us with his love called the Holy Spirit. And how do we know that we're filled with his love? Because we're led by the love of God and not by aromas. God, when you have the Spirit of God in you and you follow, by, and you follow the Spirit of God, you don't have to worry about uh, not discerning the intents of what's good and what's bad. When you have the good one in you, you know what's good and what's not. So God will fill you with his love. And when you get filled with his love, you're able to discern uh, the difference. See, what thought and smell like a blessing, uh, we end up, or when, we, when, we're, when we go after what smells like a blessing, we end up chasing the blessing and not the blesser. See, that's what the aroma does. It's off. The aroma doesn't always lead you to that which is cooking. Do you guys realize when you take a cake out the oven that that smell's still in the air? You guys ever be in the house and you go, smells like something's cooking. And you go to the oven and there ain't nothing there. That can happen when you're laid by your nose. But when you're led by the Spirit of God, you realize that the cake is sitting by the window cooling off. I just said that because I was thinking about cake. You know what? And, and, and listen, about love. John 14, 15 says this. If you love me, keep my commandments. As I bring this to a close. Saints, I just want to tell you something before we get out of here. I'm just telling you this for you. You can dim the lights. We can't say that we're in good standing when we haven't put all the ingredients of being a Christian together. God said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You may have faith. You believe God's going to get you through it, and you've gotten through it. And because you got through it the last time, you may now have hope because you've been through it. And through that hope, you've gained the endurance and the patience that you need. You say, man, I'm full of love. I'm full of God. You, you may say that to yourself. But are you keeping his commandments? Just because, listen, just because you come to church every Sunday doesn't mean it's good. I'm a Christian. I come to church every Sunday. Just because you serve doesn't mean it's good. We got people that only show up to serve. I'm telling you right now, so we got people that only show up on Sunday because they're serving. And they think, okay, that's good. I'm, I'm giving God what I, listen, God wants us to put it all together. Because not, it's like making a cake without flour. Cookies without sugar. It looks like a cookie. That's why God said, oh, taste and see not all about what it looks like. Taste it. And you'll see that the Lord, he is good. God said, I need you, my people, to come together and get this recipe right. He wants you to constantly attend and stay in fellowship. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, forsake not the assembling of yourselves. He wants us to come together regularly. He wants to serve because he said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but yet he came to serve and give his life a ransom. Why do we always leave out that part? If I'm a Christian, I need to do what Christ does. I just don't come and serve, but I come and I've laid my life down as a ransom. I've given up my life, my wife's life, my family's life to serve you. And you go, well, you're the pastor. That's... No, he requires that from all. 
Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. And if you would like to know more information about our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.